Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Well, today we are closing out our series, Enough is Enough. Some of you have been tuning in and been watching. If you haven't, I would invite you to go to our website at beaconofhope.org. Listen, watch, catch up with some of the messages because we believe that this is powerful truth. God has really been using this series in my life to ask this question. Adrian, am I enough for you? Is God enough? And I've got to tell you, that's a challenging question for me because really what that question is saying, and if you were here with us last week, Brian kind of articulated the question this way, do you trust him? That question, is he enough, is really that question, do you trust him? And in this season, I'm just going to be honest that daily, daily, I feel the Lord asking me, Adrian, do you trust me. And so today we're going to close out this series by talking about a kingdom principle. What I'm about to tell you today, I believe is not the wisdom of man. I don't believe it's the way that we naturally operate according to our kingdom, the kingdom of this world, but I do believe it's a kingdom principle. And so because of that, I believe if you and I will live according to this, this kingdom principle in our lives, I believe God can transform our lives. That's what we believe. Our mission statement here is to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And so what we're going to talk about this morning in concluding this series, I believe is transforming stuff as we live, not according to our kingdom, but according to his kingdom. And I'm going to tell you right away what it's about today. I'm going to tell you what I believe this message is about for us. And I'm going to articulate it this way, that our most powerful stance is not wanting power. Our most powerful stance is not wanting power. Now, I know maybe to you that sounds like something Yoda would say, right? Our most powerful stance is not wanting power. That was a terrible Yoda impression, but we've been watching some Star Wars at our house, my boys, for the first time. We've been catching up a little bit and introducing them to Star Wars. So as I wrote that down, I had the little green guy in my head, like maybe it just sounds like some Jedi mind tricks, but it's not. In fact, this isn't even my idea. Our most powerful stance is not wanting power. And I'm gonna prove it to you today that this is from the word of God. And we're gonna be in Mark chapter 10 today. If you have your copy of scripture, right there where you're sitting, would you open it today? Let's open the word of God together. Let's be on the same literal page of scripture. And maybe for you, opening your Bible looks like this. We have a version Bible app event set up for you today, uh, especially kind of in this environment where we're a little more limited. That's a great way that you can follow with notes and um, verses and things that we're sharing together today. So I would invite you to open up the word, whatever form you have today. Let's open up the word today to Mark chapter 10. And if you don't know, Mark is really, it's a biography of Jesus's life. We have in the New Testament, four gospels, four biographies written by different authors and different perspectives. And so what we're reading today is Mark's biography, his perspective of the life of Jesus. And so what we're going to read now in Mark's gospel is that Jesus has already predicted his death three times. He's already told his disciples, his followers, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. Uh, The cross is coming. Not once, not twice, but three times he has said that. And directly after that, now comes an interaction between his disciples, his closest followers, those that walked with him closely. We're going to read now an interaction between two of his followers and Jesus. And it's here in Mark 10, starting with verse 
uh, 35, it says this, then James and John, this is two of the disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, let us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. That's a bold request. Jesus, we want you to, to do whatever we want. And Jesus is like, well, what do you want? We want the position of power. We want the position of authority. Remember, what are we talking about today? Our most powerful stance is not wanting power. And in this particular instance, James and John are saying, we want the power. We want the most powerful seat, the seat of authority. Jesus replies this way in verse 38. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Immediately you read that and you're thinking, well, yeah, Jesus, they can. They can share the cup in communion. They can be baptized. Like, but understand a little bit more of the context of what Jesus is saying. The cup, the cup represents more than kind of the cup of communion, which is what we think of. Uh, often the cup was in reference to one's life and one's experience. Think about Jesus in the garden as he prayed to the Lord. He said, Father, Father, if there's any way for this cup to be taken from me, from this experience, from this uh, cup of suffering. And so what Jesus is saying as he says, can you drink this cup is, can you drink my suffering, my burden? And more than that, baptism is not just the baptism that we saw, which is beautiful. Jesus is talking here about his submersion, being totally immersed. And so this is really what Jesus is saying. Will you drink the cup, take on my burden, my way, my path, and be baptized to be submerged in the pain and the suffering that I will experience. Remember, he's already said three times that he's going to die. He's going to go to the cross. So Jesus is pointing again towards the cross. And he's asking James and John, can you, can you take on my cup? Be baptized in the way I will. In verse 39, they say, well, we can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, well, you will drink the cup I drink. And you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. Verse 40, but to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John, right? Of course, because they're jockeying for position. They're trying to be like the head disciple, the most important, the most powerful. They want the power. And now the other ten are saying, hey, what about us? And so a fight is about to break out here. So what does Jesus do in verse 42? He calls them together. He huddles them together. And he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, right? right? In other words, the, the ones that are not following me, the ones that do not know my name, that do not follow me, right? right? They, they look for the power. They lord it over them, the position, the title. And the high officials exercise authority over them. That's what it says in verse 42, exercise authority. And what does that word really mean in the Greek? It means to wield power. Jesus is saying the way of this world, the way that others that are not in Christ operate is they wield their power and their authority over others. That's what he's saying. But look what he says in verse 43, because there's a contrast here. What he says is not so with you. In other words, that's how the Gentiles operate. 
That's how they do things, but not so with you. And this is where our principle, our kingdom principle is gonna come to light. Not my idea, this is Jesus's idea. Verse 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Ooh, look about a hard word. And then verse 45, for even the son of man, Jesus said, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, uh, today I, I wanna unpack these words of Jesus. Again, this is a kingdom principle. This is not something I thought up and came up with. In fact, I'm not sure I really like this sometimes in my life because this is a hard word, but I believe it's important for us for such a time as this that we lean in. So today, I wanna share with you just three observations from this scripture, from this word that I think lead us back to our kingdom principle for today. First, I wanna acknowledge something that I think is universally true. Number one, we all want power. We do, we do. It's part of who we are, it's part of our nature. We all want power. Give James and John credit. Some of you, you're reading this and you're kind of rolling your eyes at them. Oh, you doofuses, what are you doing? No, 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 give them credit. They had the guts to say what some of us are only thinking. Lord, I want the power. Lord, do whatever I say. Today, right now, this is, this is how some of us are operating, isn't it? In our prayers, in our dreams. Lord, just give me what I want. Give me what I ask for, right? Isn't that how we operate? Give, have enough faith to speak it into being and the Lord will do it. Lord, give me what I want. And beneath all that, you know what that really is about? We want power. I want what I want, Right? If you don't like the word power, that kind of rubs you the wrong way. How about control? How about independence? We can look at James and John as being so far off course, but we are just like them, aren't we? For some, for some, right? God is like a giant vending machine. We, we insert a prayer and we expect a blessing to come out, don't we? Haven't you been convicted? I have in these days where things have been challenging that sometimes my prayers as I come to God is, God, give me what I want. God, look, here's a need. Give it to me. That's often a cry for power, for control, for independence. Lord, I don't want to rely on your strength. Give me what I want. But even more than that, we actually use God as a means of getting more power, accomplishing more. Think about it this way. In a world of self-actualization, we are guilty of seeking after God only for what he can give us. Give us what we want. Make us better. We hijack Bible verses, scripture, God's word. We hijack it and use it to make it about my prosperity. God, make me great because the truth is we all want power, don't we? We all want control, don't we? But observation number two is this. See, it's not just that we all want power. There is never enough power. There is never enough. Just like at most everything else in our lives, we want more. We want more because power, what is it? It's intoxicating. And the more we have, the more we want. And the more we desire for control, for independence that we 
call the shots and maybe we don't even realize the power that we have available to us that many times the truth is that we want more. We really can cheapen the gospel, can't we? We can make it about becoming the best version of you. We can make the gospel about behavior modification. I want to be better, smarter, wiser. And then when we're doing that, what we're really seeking after is our own power, our own control. Not only that, we can cheapen the church. We in the church have become enablers. Instead of coming back to focus on how desperately I need God, we speak of how much God needs me, don't we? We use a worldly model of power to try to advance God's kingdom. Church is about our accomplishments and our accolades and bigger and better. And I'm all about seeing the church accomplish things for God's glory. But if we're not careful, it becomes about the need for more power. Beneath it all, this is what I believe is true. I believe you and I, beneath it all, we are desperate for significance, for influence, and for authority. I'm just going to be real in my life. Beneath my desire for more is almost always a craving, a hunger, a desire for significance, for influence, for authority. I've had to be honest with my own struggle in my life to feel important. It led me down a very frustrating path. Even in ministry, as a pastor, I would pray many times, Lord, I want to be successful. And while I didn't believe at the time that prayer was rooted in any selfish desire, I had to acknowledge my own pursuit, my own desire for significance and influence and authority instead of seeking after God's significance for me, God's influence for me. His authority. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to be successful, but as I look back, I'm confident that my desire for success was rooted in a desire to feel important, to feel loved by those around me, to feel needed. And what is that at its core? It's a desire for more power. So observation one, observation one, right? We all want power, the control. We want it. Observation two is we want more of it. There's never enough. We're never satisfied. We're seeking after, grabbing after, not just the material things that we talked about a couple weeks ago. No, no, no. The power, the control. We always want more. Observation number three from this, Mark chapter 10 is this, that for Jesus, power is inverted. For Jesus, power is inverted. See, our view of power is centered on control. That's really why for us, they're synonymous, right? Because for us, that's what power is. It's about control, but for the kingdom of God, for Jesus, power was centered on service, serving one another. Don't take my word for it. Listen, listen to what we just read in Mark chapter 10. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great, whoever wants the power among you must be the servant, must be the servant. You know who the servant was in Jesus' day? Yeah, they sat by the door washing feet, dirty feet as someone came in and out. Jesus says, you want to be great? Yeah, do that. Serve that way. He would go on to say, whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. Those are hard words. But for Jesus, 
the view of power was not centered on control. It was centered on serving. Greatness is not reducing others to your service, but it was no reducing yourself to their service. Jesus, his principle of power was very inverted from ours, isn't it? It's not, how can they serve me? That's what power, that's what we think about in our mind, and that's how we act upon, but no, 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 no. It's how can I serve them? Serving. This is actually how we give control away, how we wield the power and control we have in our lives to benefit someone else. Every time I serve someone else, in essence, what I'm doing is I am giving power away, sharing power with them, That's the model that Jesus taught. I I think about the power of listening. I wonder how many people in your life today think different than you, believe different than you, act different than you, and the power of actually sitting down and listening to them. This is actually a form of sharing power, of identifying and saying, I look into your eyes and I see you. And in listening to you, it's a way that we actually follow This inverted power that Jesus calls us to. What about giving? Not hoarding for myself. Not grasping at everything that I have and holding on so tight. No, but sacrificing and giving so others have what they need. Giving the power and the control away, isn't it? Some of the most blessed people in this season are not people grasping tighter to the things they have. But people that are giving and sacrificing, and loving, and serving in extravagant ways. And Jesus said, that's the way to power in my kingdom. For Jesus, listen, this is profound. For Jesus, power is found in dependence, in humility, and in weakness. Embracing the way of being limited and in adequate. We heard that last week, right? Right? That Paul said, I will boast about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Was Paul out of his mind? It may seem like that. No, 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 no. He was identifying with the way of Christ. And the way of Christ is embracing the way of being limited and inadequate. On my own, I am limited. I am inadequate. This is what it meant for Jesus his pursuit of power. Man, throughout the book of Mark, uh, it's very intentional that we shared this story today from the book of Mark because you may not realize this throughout the gospel of Mark. There's something really unique about this gospel that is not really shown in the others. And when I was in college in Bible classes and studying this, it really bothered me. And I would encourage you in this season to read through the gospel of Mark and you'll identify several different times that Jesus does something really odd. He will perform a miracle or he'll teach something really powerful or people's lives are being transformed as they come in alignment with the kingdom of God. And time and time again, he looks and he tells them, don't tell other people about me. That really bothered me. Like, whoa, 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 Jesus, aren't we supposed to tell people about you? Don't you want everyone to know about you? Don't you want them to know you're the son of God that you came to save the world? And, but time and time again, specifically in the book of Mark, Jesus says, don't tell people about me. Scholars have called it the messianic secret. That Mark was so bent on this idea of Jesus telling people, don't tell people who I am. You see, this is what I think is true in this gospel. You see, I I think Jesus knew something 
about the expectations of those around him. He, he knew something about their kingdom and their principle and their desire for power because you see the Jews, the Jews were expecting a Messiah. That wasn't the problem, but the problem was they were specifically expecting a Messiah as a conquering king. A Messiah that would come and seize the power, seize the control, that would make things right again. They were expecting a Messiah to wield his power, to take control, but that's not who Jesus came to be. That's not the kind of savior that Jesus came to be. What is the kind of savior Jesus came to be? Well, look, it's in Mark's gospel just a couple pages before in Mark chapter 8. Jesus says these words, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Think about it. These are three examples, again, that fall exactly in line with the kind of inverted power that Jesus is talking about. He said, you want to be with me? You want to be identified as my disciples? Which, by the way, is the call. That is the great commission, that we would become his disciples and we would invite others, that we would go and make disciples. And Jesus said, what are the kind of disciples that you are supposed to make? Well, they're supposed to identify with three things. They're supposed to deny themselves. That sounds a lot like inverted power, doesn't it? They're supposed to take up their cross. Not just a symbolic gesture. A cross was a means of sacrifice. Cross, cross meant something. It was a burden to be carried. And Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciples? Learn what it is, not just to serve, but maybe even to identify with the way of suffering. So you got to deny self, you got to take up cross, and then follow me. When I follow him, I'm not really in control, am I? I'm not really seizing the control, am I? I'm learning to submit to his way. I'm learning my own inadequacies, aren't I? So why in this gospel was Mark so adamant about this secret? Why was time and time again he showed Jesus saying, don't tell others about me because Jesus was trying desperately to redefine what power looks like. In other words, Jesus was saying, don't tell people about that kind of a savior. Don't tell people about your version of the Messiah, the one that's come with power to reign with an iron scepter and take back control. That's not the kind of savior that I came to be. Don't tell people about that kind of savior because that's not how my kingdom is supposed to be. See, his kingdom would be defined not by acquiring more, not by grabbing for more power, but by surrender, through surrender and obedience and the way of the cross. That's the kind of savior that he came to be. Don't tell them about that kind of savior because that's not my kingdom. My kingdom is pretty inverted from the kingdom of this world. So today... As we prepare to conclude this series, the question is the same. Is he enough for you? Is he enough for you? Is his power enough for you? His way. Can you trust him enough to believe that you don't have to scrape and claw for more, for more control and more power and more authority, but can you embrace the way of Jesus? which is defined by the way, by dependence and humility 
even weakness. That is the way of Jesus. And if we are called to follow him, to be his disciples, then we identify with denying ourselves, with taking up our cross, and yes, by following, not having to be in control by using our power to give our power away to others, to serve, to become the servant of all, Jesus said. Why? Because our most powerful stance is not wanting power. Our most powerful stance in the kingdom of God is not wanting power, but it's actually in being the servant of all. We're going to close this morning with some time of worship, some time to reflect. I pray today that you will allow the Holy Spirit to come and convict you of places in your life where you're seizing control, where you're trying to grasp for more power and more power and more authority and more control. And I would challenge you today to allow the Holy Spirit to come, to allow your heart to trust him like never before. And embrace the way of Jesus, the inverted kingdom, the kingdom that says to be the greatest, you become the servant of all. You identify with weakness and with humility. And instead of saying, God, I want more, I want more control today, we say, God, I just want more of you. Can I pray for you today? God, we want to experience your kingdom. You, you taught us to pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we close out this series, learning that you are enough, I pray that we would come to a place of surrender in our hearts to allow your spirit, Lord, to come and fill us every part of us, that we would surrender to your lordship, to your kingdom, that we would operate not according to our standards, not according to the kingdom of this world, no, 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 but according to your inverted kingdom, where you said the greatest Lord will not be the one seizing control, will not be the one grasping for power, but will be the one who surrenders and becomes the servant of all. Teach us today, Lord, what it means to serve those around us, Teach us today to serve, not just the people we want to serve. Teach us right now, Lord, would you convict our hearts of people in our lives that need to be served, need to be loved. We may not even like them today, Lord, but you call us to serve them, to be the servant of all. Today, teach us what it means. Teach us what it means to listen. That's a form of sharing power, of not grasping for more control, but in actuality, learning to look people in the eye and say, I see you, and I hear what it is that you are saying. Teach us today what it is to give, to sacrifice for others. We believe that when we do that, Lord, it honors you. And in doing so, we're identifying more and more with your kingdom. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at abeaconofhope.org for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.